Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Oh, was a long one. That's an unfortunate way to start the podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to welcome to. Uh, lovely conversation that we were just having. I'm Dov, as you probably know. Connor Clancy's here with me. Podrick Whelan's here with me. You could not hear them before, but hopefully you can hear them now if people well, if people can let me know when uh, they, they get onto the stream that everybody can hear everybody else. will uh, we'll get fired in. Um, Connor, how is your pizza? We'll talk about a bit of rubbish for a couple of minutes and let, let people um, jump over from yeah, the other... It was surprisingly quite nice, you know. Oven pizzas usually don't hit the the standard. You said off air that you didn't enjoy. Yeah, it. but I'm I'm having time to reflect on it now, Padraig, yeah. and I'm quite happy with the purchase that was made. Um, I didn't expect it to be as nice as it was, but by the end, I'm I'm quite <laughs> it happy. Sounds like with a, a coach's. You just signed a. So I couldn't even think of a player there. <laughs> but you've seen you've seen Nikola Kalinic, and mm. wasn't expecting him to be that good. Surprise my expectations. Let's be honest, nobody has ever been surprised by the quality of Nikola Kalinic. Yeah. Uh, he scored he, he scored at the weekend. He's a Milan legend now. He got I got a standing ovation when he got substituted. That's how good he was. Because people were delighted that he got substituted. <laughs> oh, good that's that's not very nice. Nikola Kalinic is a lovely guy. Yeah, I don't know why we're starting off picking on Kalinic, but I don't know why I don't know why we're we're doing that either. That's not very nice. We're we're a nice bunch of lads, Paddy. We're a nice bunch of lads. Hopefully everybody can hear us now. Um right, so obviously everybody knows that the Serie A season has finished um because Juventus have got the title. Basically, that's when we know the Serie A season's finished when Juventus lift uh, the skin this trophy. Yeah. Um and Obviously, they won the Coppa Italia again. Best team in Italy, seven in a row, fourth double in a row. Juve are amazing. Um, but, Paddy, um, the, the best thing about this was that um, we had a Scudetto race. That was, the, that was the greatest thing. We got Napoli v Juve for pretty much the whole season, a knockout battle. I was like watching UFC. That's how good it was. It was yeah. 
I was trying to come up with a way to fit a clever Conor McGregor joke in there. There's just not one coming to me, Dov. But uh, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it was almost like a UFC bout and uh, just two two great fighters or teams going toe-to-toe for most of the season. I think, as you said, that was what we all wanted um, before the season mm-hmm. started. We just, after so much UV dominance in, in recent seasons, we just we wanted that title challenge and, and hats off to Napoli um, they, they really provided it uh, it's a surprise that I, th- I think I was talking to you before the season ended that after the way the season had gone it, w- it was quite a surprise that it didn't actually go down to the to the final weekend especially after the, the result in Turin when Napoli went there and won I think we were all expecting one that went right down to the wire it was it was almost odd that it, we, we didn't quite get that but we did get the, the title race we wanted for pretty much the whole season um, and hats off to, to Napoli you know I think that they registered their highest ever points total the, the most ever for a team that actually didn't go on to to win the Scudetto in the end but I think unfortunately for them it was I think it was Juve's second highest ever total they've ever managed in Serie A so just goes to show you that no matter what you seem to throw at them and Napoli threw a, a record-breaking season at Juve and Juve still find a way to do it so what can you do but hats off to them though <laughs> What can you do, Connor? Um, Juventus, obviously, they're still. I still think they're head and shoulders above every team in Serie A. Obviously, they proved that this season, where they, they, they did what they do, they just win. Do you think this was a scudetto, the hardest scudetto, and one that they very much deserved? Nobody can hear them. I can't anymore. hear him this time. Nobody can hear him anymore. This, this is this is Connor Clancy. I can see him swearing though, in his wee in his wee kitchen or wherever. Can you hear me now? Oh, ah. We can hear you now, Connor. <laughs> the the old the old trick of plugging it out and plugging it back in seems. Yeah, uh, there you go. Right. So, Connor, what I asked you there was: is why are Atalanta rubbish? <laughs> I can hear you, Darwin. I know that's not true, <laughs> um, but. I can't remember what the actual question was now, to be honest. I bet, you, I bet UV just been amazing and deserving oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, obviously, this was their hardest one. Like, does this just show you how good UV are and that they totally deserved it? It's hard to argue against any team that wins the a league title deserving it. You could, you could probably say it about a cup competition, but when it's a league season and it's over 38 games, it's almost impossible to argue against it. And the expectation every season is that Juventus win the Scudetto. So I don't know if Juventus have been all that brilliant compared to what we expected of them, but the fact that Napoli were the first ever club to finish second with 91 points would suggest that Juventus had to step into that extra gear and and they did it. But it, it is slightly depressing from a neutral's point of view that you can see a team have as good a season as Napoli did, which has kind of been lost in recent weeks and people are kind of quick to slag off Napoli and Sarri but that a team can do as well as they did and get 91 points and still not win the Scudetto it's it's tough to take and it kind of leaves you questioning the point of every other club's existence but well, well yeah. hold on like that, that's not fair because it's not Juve's fault that all the other yeah. clubs are crap Juve have they've got the, the they've got their own stadium the first team in Italy to do that, which makes them a ton of money. They're the best organized, and that can and that's just not just kind of playing wise and, and transfers and stuff like that. The whole club is the best organized club in the country. Um, 
And because of that, they're able to then go and buy the best players. Um, an example is obviously this kind of relates a little bit. Obviously, they just had their first season of the women's first division and they just bought all the best players because of UV and they won the title, I think, the other day. And because of the way they're organized and how well they're run, how a great coach they've got, kind of great directors and stuff like that, that's how they're so good. And it's up to the other teams to match that, in my opinion. And if they're not good enough to match that, that's not Juve's fault. No, of course, uh, that, but that's a slightly different. But I wasn't trying to say it's Juve's fault that good. everything... Like, Don't say that. <laughs> it is, but it's probably the biggest compliment you can pay them because they are just so far ahead of everyone else. And Napoli, if you look at Napoli and kind of break it into its parts, they've got a coach who 10 years ago was nothing. Players who before this season weren't all that much. The stadium is a disgrace as we were talking about off air and we go, should we go Donald Trump and call it a shithole <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you said it not me but wow. no it's not it's not, it's not a, a, a gold leafed mansion is it it's dilapidated would be, be a nicer word no but yeah it it is you do have to give credit to Juventus as painfully repetitive as that has become and it gets increasingly more difficult to do it every year when in reality our praise should only intensify every year because they just prove every single season that they are so far above everyone else in Serie A. Yeah, I think you're, you're right, Ducker. I think Juve should actually be getting more praise the longer that they do this because that is just not an easy thing to do. Like in any league, no matter where you are, but the fact that Serie A has it's always been a you know a notoriously difficult league to win. You only, I suppose, not so much now, but if you go back maybe twenty years or so and you had Roma winning it, Lazio winning it, you had Milan winning it, Juve. You had a lot of teams winning it in a short space of time and the fact that Serie A always has these big clubs and whether they're playing well or not, there is a lot of history and massive clubs in the league and for Juve to do seven in a row, it's never been done before in a league this difficult, I think. I think the longer it goes on, the more praise they actually should be getting, yeah. I can I can think of one country where it's pretty easy to win the league. Yeah, I, don't, I, I was careful to say that it is not easy in any country, no matter which. <laughs> our, our Celtic client, they must be on like fifteen in a row by now. Yeah, no? same as UV, same as UV. Same as it's just it's like two clubs mirroring each other. That's why it's these great. clubs deserve such great praise, stuff. You know, it's not easy to do. <laughs> Do you know, actually, I'm just looking at the live comments and Aaron Holland is a regular commenter and he's come in with a good point saying that we're talking about matching Juve, yet we're still at the point where all the other clubs are talked about in a conversation of, I hope we don't sell and I hope he stays. Whereas Juve keep the players they want to keep and let go of those they don't. Well, that, that, that comes down to the financial power of Serie A. Serie A doesn't have financial power. Even Juventus don't have financial power. If, if, say, for example, Barcelona, Real Madrid, or Man City, or a team like that who have financial clout want Paul Pogba or Alexandro or somebody like that, they can buy them. And Juve can't stop these guys leaving because they, they, they have more financial clout than teams in Italy. But in kind of a European context, they're still a bit behind. And that's, <laughs> that's because the clubs in Serie A are so badly marketed that they're so far behind if you an example is look at the tv deal the the, the for domestic t, the tv rights that's still not done yet and the season starts in two and a half months and nobody knows even the fact that Roma, it took them to get to a champions league final before someone come on as a sponsor what 
was just staggering to me. Yeah. This was, yeah, yeah. So, like, how can one of the biggest clubs in Serie A go that long without a main short sponsor? It's just... Well, Qatar you, Airways were probably thinking, like, changing their mind afterwards, like, yeah, wait. <laughs> well, what have we done? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, you, like you, you'd never see a Premier League team without a short sponsor. And if they did have one, it'd be, like, the biggest short sponsorship deal in the history of the world. Uh, whereas here, the, the money isn't there. They've got a great domestic TV deal, but internationally, the rights aren't there. Um, in terms of marketing and stuff like that and, and merchandising, the money doesn't come in. Um, so that's basically what you have to do. When you've got kind of teams like, like no offense, like West Ham and things like that, West Ham shouldn't be competing realistically with likes of Inter for players. Inter should always be like, yeah, if we want him, we want him. we're going to have him. End of story. But it doesn't work like that. So there you go. <laughs> Where right next? Where right? Should we talk about Napoli a bit then? Because Connor, you alluded to this um, that people are slagging Napoli off a bit, um, but they had their best ever season ever in the history of the world ever. So yeah, talking about how fantastic and wonderful Napoli are because they've done so good. I, I kind of come down on both sides of this argument, I think. You can't do that. that. You've got to come to <laughs> one side. You, um, can't, you can't go to the voting booth on Friday and go, yes, no, because I, I come down on both sides. No, no, that's not how it works. Uh, let, typical let, Donald, let me, I like it. Let me try and explain. Yeah, but that's going to be lost on everyone listening to this podcast with the exception of me and Podrick, probably. Um, but right, I'm tempted to have a go at Sari because, as we said in the now last episode, he kind of got his excuses in as early as he could. He was given out about Juventus always playing, was it before Napoli? Yeah, before Napoli, and Napoli didn't get the chance to put the pressure on. You. Exactly, but but then Allegri just threw back at him, well, we're competing in two competitions. If you want to compete in just one competition, go back to Serie C. And Allegri is so right. And Sarri was criticised for not rotating his squad, but then when you actually look at the squad, the only rotations he could really make would have been, really made, would have been to bring in Milik for Mertens and Maybe Diavara for, I don't know, Jorginho and Zielinski played every game, but 35 minutes of every game. So I do think it's, you can't not praise Napoli. They've got the fifth biggest budget in Serie A. They were head and shoulders above everybody in Serie A with the exception of one team. And when you look at this league table in a few years, it's, it's probably going to stand out as a bit of an anomaly because... I can't see anyone else pushing Juventus this close and not winning. I think the next team to get over 90 points in Serie A wins, uh, I don't think there's going to be two teams finishing with more than 91 points in the foreseeable future. And Look, Napoli have been really enjoyable to watch this year. The fact that they've given us this title race is an achievement in itself. I don't want to turn into like an Arsenal fan celebrating fourth place or something, but it is hard to knock them given how far they pushed Juve and the fact that they beat Juventus in a huge game at the end of the season as well just kind of adds to it. Well, the, the, the kind of what you said there about them, Sarri saying that they lost the, the Scudetto in the hotel room, which I think points to a problem with mentality um, because I think the, 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 the weekend, or not even the weekend, the day or the couple of hours where the Scudetto race turned was on the 3rd of March when... Juve scored the, the 93rd minute winner against Lazio. And then on the same night, uh, Roma 
came from behind to beat Napoli or smash Napoli at the San Paolo. And if, and if you look at Napoli's results from then, they're scraping wins against Kievo and like two goals in the last minute, drawn against Sassuolo, drawing against like Milan and like the drawing against Torino. Like if you go through the results and how they got those results as well, it was all, it's almost as if from then they were keeping their heads above water and just trying to kind of claw into Juventus's coattails a little bit. Whereas before them, um, they were fantastic. They were brilliant. So, I think it's harsh enough to, to, to knock their mentality. And I know what you're saying. And even as I say it, they did win it with a last minute goal. But even after the, the game that weekend you mentioned, which I agree with you, actually, I think that was where the Scudetto was won for Juve because it could have went from, I think it was like a one point to within a one point to an almost a seven point swing the other way. But the fact that they went to Juve towards the end of the season and, and left with a win, I think like, it'd be harsh to, I think, criticise the mentality for that. That that was that was huge to go there and, and say, no, we are still in this title race. And albeit what happened after that, uh, maybe you can you can knock the mentality again. But I think going there in such a massive game, I think they, they deserve all the credit in the world for that, going there and keeping the title race alive, even if it was just for another week, I suppose. If we are going to raise questions, though, uh about Sari in particular, it, it would be about the fact that he persisted with Dries Mertens in the last couple of months, despite Milik being back and having more fitness than Mertens. Because every time you watch Napoli, pretty much after that weekend in early March, Mertens could barely move. And he kept playing him. And his, this, I don't have the statistics to hand, but I know after the first half of the season, Mertens... He wasn't even scoring anywhere near as much as he should have been, considering how good he had been for the, what, 18 months before that. And every time the team sheet came out, you just knew Martins was going to be starting. And it, it did become infuriating. Um, Hamshik probably, rather than playing 60 minutes every week, maybe they should have picked and choosed when he played a little bit better. But I'm probably nitpicking now at this point. because well, I, mean, I, think, I think it's a fair point, though, because... Was I think they played the, the same start in 11. I think it was 11 games, which was more than anyone else. And 11 games out of 38 game season, when you factor in like suspensions and injuries, that, that's still quite a lot of games for, for a coach to persist with the same team. And I know it was something that you saw Napoli fans, that even throughout the season, not even towards the end when it was gone, but throughout the season, they were criticising Sarri, saying this could come back to haunt us. This could be something that by the time the end of the season comes around, that... The, the, the lads are just maybe going to be dead on their feet and when you say though maybe it was mental as well but maybe it was physical fatigue after that game in early March that, that they had a lot of players cl- had clocked up a lot of minutes in their legs and it wasn't even this season it, even the season before if you look at the team it was a lot of the same players even last season that, that were in the in the side and playing week in week out I mean you could almost list off the Reina, Hisai, Koulibaly and just go right through the team that you knew what Napoli's well, at least preferred starting eleven was going to be every single week. There was that statistic. I think it was before the Juve Napoli game in Turin that Napoli's regular outfield players had played over twenty four thousand minutes this season, whereas Juve's yeah. had only played seventeen thousand. And I don't know if that took into account the the European games as well, but that is striking, and it does suggest. I wonder how things would have gone had Napoli had the ability to sign players in January, and I think. If we're going to blame people, it probably all comes back to uh, De Laurentiis because he makes it so difficult for people to actually sign for that club because of the image rights situation, because he's a 
he's into his film and stuff like that. And they probably should have done more to make sure Simone Verdi went to the club in January. Uh, there was the guy, Amon Younes from Ajax, I think, who mm. went and then didn't go. And there's always these stories, every single transfer window, about players who are about to sign for Napoli, and then they don't. And it, well, it, that goes yeah. back to the point about how the, club, the club's been well run, because that doesn't happen with Juve, for example. If Juve wants somebody, they get they them. They get them, yeah, of course. And that's it, end of story, done deal. There's no, no pissing about. It's the, we want him, we're going to get him. If we can't get him, we've got somebody else that will come in instead. Whereas the, the, the situation, for example, we suit with um, Verde, you're just like, well, if they want him, they had an offer on the table. I think Bologna pretty much had accepted it and he decided he didn't want to go because he didn't know if he was going to play or not. And then, like you say, there's obviously other contractual issues which uh, people don't like so much. So that's probably a little bit of it. But I think I still think you should give Sarri gets immense credit for the way that Napoli played this season for what he managed to do with them this season as well. And I think we're kind of picking at... It wasn't like there were 25 points behind and absolutely got destroyed. It's literally is like a couple of games, two games, yeah. if they yeah. won instead of drawn, they win the league. That's yeah. it. I, and I, I <laughs> That's really, how fine the margins are. Yeah. I really don't want it to seem like I am just criticising Sarri because I've been a huge fan of everything he's done there. The, the progression season on season during his time at Napoli has been amazing. <laughs> and it's... It's not going to be the same watching them next season should, as it seems to be the case. Ancelotti comes in and he moves on because Napoli are the way they are because of Maurizio Sarri. And without him, they wouldn't have been second place this season. And the fact that they were even within four points of Juventus is is huge. And to get 91 points, as we said earlier, to be the first team to get 91 points and not win the league, is it's an amazing achievement, as heartbreaking as it is. But next season, they just need to win all their games, and then they'll win it, and it'll be fine. So there you go. No, those two will still find a way. <laughs> they will, probably, probably. Um, I want to touch a bit on Roma, because, like, moving away from the Scudetto race. Well done, Juve. Fantastic. They are hashtag myth with a seven in it. Hashtag myth with a seven. Can I just, can I just take a minute to... You can take however long you want, Connor. I, I, just, I just want to say the number 34. That's it. Well, actually, talking about that, actually, let's talk about that because that's a fun. That's a fun one because it's it's, it's kind of like I don't know if you guys have heard, but there was uh, one of the Italian journalists was interviewing Chiellini after they won the league. Uh, I think it was the second last day of the season. They did their TV interview, and obviously Chiellini had said, "Oh yeah, oh, it's a great title, number thirty-six. And the journalist stopped him and was like, "Giorgio, it's all good for fans to say things like that. They're fans, and that's kind of what fans do. But thirty-four. And the kind of look on his face was a bit like, uh, right, okay. Um, didn't really know how to respond to it. Because officially it is 34. And I don't want to get into a Calciopoli conversation with people because it's another it's a pain in the arse and stupid. But officially, Juventus have won 34 titles and that's the end of the story. And then there was the, I think there was a Neapolitan lawyer. Who, oh, this is a bit of a silly story, but kind of, I like the premise of it, I think is good. It says Juventus are part of Liga Serie A. Liga Serie A officially recognised Juventus as having 34 titles. However, Juventus persists with his 36. So this guy was saying basically Juventus should have points deducted, get fines or have players banned or whatever. If players are kind of like Chiellini saying the 136 and stuff like that. Because it goes completely against what the official line is. 
in terms of the league. And I think it's, like, it's this, this thing, yeah, every single year is basically a pain in the arse about how many titles of UV won. And it's, the, and it's basically going to be like that forever. I, I completely agree with him. It's, it's funny that it came from a Neapolitan source, uh, but this is a point uh, that I... Where is it going to come from? Yeah, <laughs> but this is the point that I've, I've said before, that every time Juventus do this, Legasari actually just be like, right, you're starting minus five points next season because you're just disrespecting the whole organisation, every other club in Serie A, and it's only Juventus and their fans that are convincing... No, the- no, no, the, no, their fans can do it. Their, their fans can do it. That's of fine, course, of course. But when it's the club, the official club party line, which... That's it. Be. But obviously the fans are going to go along with whatever their club says. And hmm. if you ask any club in Italy how many Scudetti of Juventus won, they'll all say 34, except for them. And if Legasaria say it's 34, it's 34, no questions. You had those titles taken away from you for good reason. I know their players will argue to the death that they won them on the pitch. And they are probably within the rights to feel that way, but we know that it is not true. They won those re- those titles for reasons that go beyond that. The title should be to nobody. And I think that there should be a party line of, right, it's 34 in the story and that's it. Otherwise, basically from now until the end of time, you're just going to have these silly arguments that are inane. The, and you end up going into what happened to Calciopoli and everybody gets angry about it and blah, blah, blah. Basically, that was a horrible time in the time of football and it was a bit of a joke then, apart from when they won the World Cup. That was yeah, amazing. I was going to say, it gave us the World Cup in the end, didn't it? So. Mm, exactly, that was fun. But I think at the end of the day, somebody should have a word. Um, I think they did not do that when they did 30. They had their 30 so campo thing. Yeah, 30 um, on the pitch. Yeah. But but they, did, they didn't put the star on because I think Lega Serie A told them, like, don't even think about it. Yeah. When, they, when they had like 28 official ones, but they had 30 in their eyes. Um, so they did their 30 so campo thing, which was funny. Um, although and that, Napoli had a thing. Like one of their fans had a banner or something like that. It said like champions on the pitch or something like that. Like campionati so campo or something. I was like, yeah, very good. That was funny. Um, right. Let's talk about Roma oh. <laughs> eventually. Um, their season was essentially the Champions League. Aaron Holland has already said Forza Roma, so he's loving it. Um Serie A, or like Paddy, Serie A seemed almost like a bit of a distraction for them. Yeah, um, it's, it's hard to know where, where to start with Roma's season because I think any season that an Italian team gets to a Champions League semi-final, that is an impressive season. Any team not called Juve that does it with the resources that Roma have compared to Barcelona, Real Madrid, Bayern Munich, all these other massive European super... That, that was incredible. I did not see it coming for for Roma, and they, they did have it the hard way, you know, the, the group stage they had with Chelsea, Atletico Madrid, even to, you, I think going into that group, you'd have said, if they finish third, perhaps not a major, not a major issue, drop into Europa League, have a good run in that, they got out of the group, tough game against Shakhtar, the last 16, probably deserved to win it over there, um, having played well, and then the second half, you had Alisson made some unbelievable saves, and Bruno Perez had won off the line, so, as the game got towards the end, rode their luck, got them back, eliminated them. I think the Barcelona game, oh, everything's been said about that that probably needs to be said. 
but and then get into the Champions League semi final, and then you compare it obviously with the, the Serie A form. I think I still think it was a good season for them. You know, I think they only lost one away game in the league all year, which that, that's that's a very good record. Um, and they, they did what they had to do, I suppose. They, they still secured Champions League football. The thing I want to see from Roma, and it, it's probably being greedy because we said at the start of last season that we wanted a title race. Now I want more teams in the title race. Now I want Juve and Napoli and Roma and Inter and Milan and maybe being greedy. But you see leagues like Turkey where they have four or five teams up there every year. So that, that that's what I want from them from now on. And I think that Di Francesco's a great coach. I think he, he did really well his, his debut season. I think he's going to, Get more out of them, those that particular group of players. I think it's probably a big summer for them in terms of some areas they need to improve. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm quite excited and optimistic about what Roma are going to do going forward. Well, the and Champions that, League, like the 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 kind of the run, is like a blessing in disguise because it gives them that extra bit of cash where normally they would have to sell somebody, and yeah. now they probably don't, and they can strengthen the squad maybe a bit as well. Uh, that's what I mean by a huge summer because you, you saw even last summer with Salah like, and I know he's, he's probably done things that maybe even Liverpool fans didn't expect him to do but they, they had to sell him simply because that, that was that was the model and like you said that I think that's what's going to be massive for them is that they are in a position now where maybe they can say no to, to the likes of Chelsea in January coming in for Jekyll and, and that kind of thing and, and instead of selling build on what's what's been a really good season I'm really glad you mentioned Di Francesco there when you were going on for a couple of minutes because I was just waiting waiting and waiting to jump in because I remember myself and Nick did a video back last summer when the kind of trio of changes happened what Spalletti Di Francesco and I think Pioli went to Fiorentina around the same time and we were thinking that this was just going to be a massive transitional season for Roma and that getting into the Champions League was going to be difficult for them. So for them to have, I know it was a kind of a three-way race between them, Lazio and Inter for a while, but for the last couple of weeks, it was very much a two-horse race with Roma consolidating a third. And for them to do that as well as doing as well as they did in the Champions League is an amazing first season. And it's a shame that Di Francesco got it so tactically wrong in that first leg against Liverpool because other than that, he's been pretty flawless this season. And I do think they have every reason to be excited coming into next season, especially with Nangalan not going to the World Cup. He, he'll be coming back fresh and maybe won't have as many people chasing him. Mm. And if he get, like, uh, I think if he can get a, a few decent signings in, that Bruno Perez is going to leave. Aaron Holland says he wants another wing-back so Florenzi can get up a little bit as well. I yeah, that, so. that's something I actually would like to see. You, you almost forget now at this stage that Florenzi, when he started out at Roma, I think he's centre midfielder and then he played on the right of, of the front three. That I think he's he's a lot better going forward than he is defensively. I'd quite like to see that as well if Florenzi got a chance to, to move a bit further up the park. I think that is a good point. Well, they've got Karsdorp, who they bought last summer, who's well, basically been injured yeah. forever. Yeah, the <laughs> he could come back. They uh, yeah. still own Mario Rui as well, don't they? they get, get Super Mario back. Hey, yeah, Mario Rui's got, I think he's got the third most uh, passes or touches of the ball this season in all of Serie A, Mario Rui. Well, if Roma want a, a wing-back who touches the ball a lot. Uh, there you go. He's he's all about it. Is not yet touches per ninety minutes. Mario Rui is third in all of Serie A with hundred and six behind Jorginho Marek Hamzik. There you go. Mario Rui's where it's at. Everybody. 
Um, right. Is it anybody else got to say anything? I, I, you can't really say much about Roma. I think Roma sees like actually, you know what we'll say about Roma? How bloody Don't good is Alisson? Oh, I thought you were going to say. Uh, the, gonna season say? coincided with a certain greatest player of all time, bar none, hanging wow, up. Well, they're, not actually, they're, they're, there's two bits then. How how good is it that Totti's gone? And it's do you think that's lifted Roma? Gave them a bit of breathing space, took the shackles off. No, 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 no. Right. It would be blasphemous of me to. <laughs> no, right, but Allison, how yeah. good is Allison? Allison's amazing. He is. What are you telling me? How good Allison is? So good. And I was talking to a a Liverpool supporting friend recently, and he was annoyed that Liverpool were being linked with Allison because the only exposure he's had. To the goalkeepers is the two legs that they played against each other, where of course he conceded what seven goals, eight goals over the two legs. So he was kind of thinking, I don't want him, but Allison is brilliant. He's an absolute monster. A lot of people who listen to this probably watch the Premier League as well and are wondering why Ederson isn't Brazil's number one, and that is because Allison is that much better than him. He's he's so good. I think coming off his line maybe isn't the strongest point, but he's up there with the best shot stoppers in the world, really. Um, I don't know if Padre wants to. Do you want to know, know how many how many saves he made in Syria last season? Of course, a hundred and nine saves. That's how many saves he made. And Dov, I think he had the best save percentage of it any did. goalkeeper. Seventy nine percent of shots he saved. That's a good, better than Buffon, better than Handanovic, better than Sorrentino. What a guy! He is just the best goalkeeper in the league. I think biggest compliment you can pay him. I don't know in terms of... I've got a better compliment. Aaron Holland has said, Alisson is goalkeeping Jesus. (laughs) Now was me not wanting to be blasphemous. (laughs) There you go. There you go. So that's Alisson is goalkeeping Jesus. I think that 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 kind of like says a wee bit about for me Roma's season is like when everybody's saying how good their best player, best player for me this season was for them, Alisson, which kind of I think maybe says a little bit about Roma. But not too much. That you can't say, oh, Jekyll had a great season, or or Nangalan had a great season, or Strutman, or whoever. They all had very good seasons, but obviously Allison was the best of the lot. And Under saved them for a little bit where they were going through a bit of bad form as well. So I think he's next season he's one that could definitely step up. Guys, I, I know we're well. gonna get to the the awards things, but has Cengiz Under been the most overrated player in Serie A this year? Because he was good for a few weeks. And that's it. And people are talking about him. As if he he's saved them for a few weeks. It wasn't it was good. He saved them in terms of scoring goals to make sure they got points. I think that's maybe where the praise comes from. Because at the start, he didn't really play very much. And it's more towards that kind of period. Kind of like, I think it was like January, February, March time where he was scoring goals. Do you want a good start on Chengi's underdog? Well, we're Go dishing for it. him out. That Chengi's under this season, he scored seven goals in Serie A and he was assisted by seven different players. Oh. First time since 1962. There you go. It's, 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 I, I don't know who'd said, <laughs> wait, count all the, like, De Rossi gave him that one and El Sharawi gave him that one, but there's people out there that do it. Before we move on from Roma, if that's the plan, I do think Federico Fazzi um, deserves a lot of credit yeah. because. Hmm. He was laughed out of the Premier League. Spurs, he was out, wasn't he? And he was comically bad. Um, 
even at Roma in his early days, I remember being quite sceptical of him. But he has just been brilliant this season. Um, and then, then Luis Suarez and Messi are up to Olympico and Fazio's just like... <laughs> Please. Yeah, um, Man- Manolas back gets back all the credit for that, but Manolas has been... Greatly so, greatly so. Manolas did the hard work. Yeah, yeah I, I, I want to just add one thing. That game was the best game I've ever been to in my entire life. That Barcelona yeah. game. Bar none. I've never been to a better game than that. The greatest game. So there you go. Right, let's move on from Roma Clancy. Let's talk about Inter. Because Inter are amazing. I watched your uh, live podcast that you did with Nicholas on Sunday night. He was a happy, happy person. Um, <laughs> he was very happy. Normally he's depressed when he comes on and has to talk to you, but he was really loving it from there. Um, right, see, has there anybody got any comments? I'm sure I've seen one um, about Inter. I'll see if I can find it. Yeah, Killian Lahar. He said it has to be the best final day for a while, given the relegation battle and the Inter miracle. How good was the Inter miracle, Connor? How good was that? It you was jumping up and down. Were you just in shock and awe? I was doing the report on that, and I remember <laughs> when Inter got their third goal. My actual reaction was, "Oh, for fuck's sake!" Because it meant <laughs> I had to change absolutely everything that I wrote, but. Mm. It was it was pretty special. It was quite funny in that it was a flip reverse of what they had done to them by Juventus only a couple of weeks earlier. And that was the game that seemingly won the title for Juventus and blew Inter's Champions League chances. You saw Icardi crying. But no, that, that night... Should we just tell people to go listen to the other night's podcast if they want like a, an immediate reaction to that because that was brilliant and it's, yeah well yeah well if you want to do the immediate reaction yeah go and listen to the podcast before this one but well, I did a video with Vieri today talking about Inter and their season and the thing that we kind of deduced from it was that Inter through, basically through the majority of the campaign were pretty rubbish in terms of performances. You never thought, wow, this is what a great pop performance from Inter. Oh my God, they were amazing. For most of the time, it was just like, yeah, they kind of did what they're supposed to do, kind of almost workmanlike to, to an extent. Um, and for me, the best performance they did was the one against Juve when they were down to 10 men. So that, is that something, Paddy, you'd agree with? That for most of, the, most of the season, their workmanlike is probably the best description of them. Yeah, well, it probably is. And, you know, I think it says a lot that a lot of Inter's better players this season were maybe the defensive-minded ones. You know, Skriniar had an amazing season. Uh, Cancelo, who obviously they're desperate to keep now. And obviously you have Icardi as well, who's rightly going to hit the headlines for finishing the top scorer. But it was kind of those defensive players who who really kind of got a lot of the, the plaudits and maybe that tells you a lot about Inter's season. But I think that was almost, I think, to be expected from Spalletti that it was almost the same with, with Roma in his final season, which I actually, when I thought about it on Sunday night, was quite weird that he was involved in the same kind of a, a final day shootout for a Champions League spot at the Stadio Olimpico last season when Roma played Genoa. That ended 3-2 with a bit of late drama when Perotti scored. So I thought that was kind of a, an interesting parallel that a year on, he, he pretty much did the same trick, won a game 3-2 at the Olympico to get a team into the Champions League. Um, and it was, but it followed on from that. I thought that this season with Inter, it was it was quite like he had been with Roma and that you're probably not going to watch them every week and say, oh, 
they they really a joy to watch this week like people did with Napoli obviously they were picking up results and that helps but and we're just picking up results and maybe sneaking results here and there and had built up over the course of the season I think it was their best points total since 2011 so that that's yeah, yeah. big progress as well like you 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 kind of they were not, I don't think they were ever going to be in a Scudetto hunt or anything like that. But well, they were in December, they were top of the league, and everybody was saying, yeah. Scudetto, here we come. And yeah, then, I, 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 I don't think over the course of the season that was uh, definitely not for Spalletti. I don't think coming into the season that was something he was gonna had, had set out as a as a challenge for them. I think Champions, the, league, was Champions league, yeah, was and and they've done it. And uh, yeah, you don't, you don't quite know how they're going to do. Um, in the Champions League, that'll be that'll be an interesting one for next season, because obviously now Italy has the, the four spots and well they're straight in there, straight in the group stage. Yeah, the money's guaranteed, so they need to build but, on it. Yeah, and, and they're going to have that Champions League money. Um, it's, it's just about I think Rafinha that they're, they're trying to keep him and Cancelo. Cancelo maybe a, a, if if they can kind of. I don't know. I don't know what areas specifically they, they kind of. They well, they've got De Vrij coming in. De Vrij's coming in. Asamoah well, pretty much has done as well. And then uh, La, was it Laurito Martinez or something? From yeah, see, see, Laurito. That, that, that's an interesting one because you, you don't know how ready he's going to be for Serie A when they signed Gabby Gall and <laughs> he was the next big thing from South America. And uh, well, is he still in? I think he is still officially, officially in. Yeah. But, but he, he's probably never going to make it at the San Siro now. So he does seem a good young player, but he's probably not even going to be in the reckoning for next season. Probably end up on loan somewhere. And I think that the squad overall probably probably need a lot more players, and even just for depth rather maybe than quality, if they're going to be fighting on on hmm. the fronts next season. I think the big the key for Inter is that they get in a creative player because Mario Icardi is the only player who can score goals for them, and he doesn't even get too many chances created for him he's so clinical Perisic is obviously good we don't know if he's still going to be there next year but midfield is probably the place where they really need to improve next season they brought in Borja Valero last year looks like a great signing he's been pretty poor for them uh, Vecino is a good player I, I don't know if he's a player that you want starting every week in the Champions League and Serie A if you want to push on and compete for the Scudetto but if they can add a bit more depth in midfield, because as we said, Asamo will probably come in. He can do a job in midfield and at left back. We've got De Vrij coming in at centre back. They've they're gonna be worth watching next year. Their results anyway, as Project alluded to, they're not always the nicest team to tune in and actually watch on the television every week. But they're always good entertainment, Connor. That's the good thing they're about them. They always do. No, no, not in terms of how they play, in terms of just them imploding and being crap. No, yeah, doing, absolutely. A, doing an inter that's always fun to watch because that's what we thought was going to happen or what it almost looked like was <laughs> was happening this season when they got beat off Sassuolo which is like what the hell um, a very positive note for Inter Connor. I'm coming to you again Milan Skriniar how amazing is Milan Skriniar I did not see this coming he is He's a joy. Him and Federico Fazio will be playing for Juventus in a couple of years in a back three with Mattia Caldara. And that's probably the biggest compliment. What, is, what happened to Rugani? Rugani's gone given, to pop. Up on him. He's gone given to pop, mate. Uh, <laughs> He's joining the big boys at Cable soon. <laughs> <laughs> no, but 
the biggest compliment you can pay to someone who plays well in Serie A is that they'll probably play for Juventus in a couple of years. And if Skriniar doesn't move abroad, he'll probably end up there because it's impossible to watch him and not like what you see. Uh, forgive me, I don't know where he's from. Is he going to be playing at the World Cup? Slovakia. No, they were in uh, Scotland's group. So, <laughs> Slovakia, so were actually, chances. Slovakia were actually the team who they finished they second, but because the points total was so low, which happens when you lose to Scotland, <laughs> <laughs> they didn't get to the World Cup. So, All right. well, it'll be fresh and he'll be loving it. It, yeah, is he going to be there? Because he's been so good. You would imagine that every club in Europe has noticed how good he has been. And what Chelsea? Yeah, I, I think now with Champions League, that's kind of changed a lot. Because obviously the future of Icardi was up in the air. Obviously Skriniar as well. But if, just for money issues, because Inter need to do FFP properly as well. But I think with the Champions League money, I think you'll get Icardi staying for at least another year. I think Skriniar will stay as well. He was loving it. He was loving it. I don't know if you've seen the video we put up on Twitter um, of him arriving back in the train yeah. station of meeting the group of fans. He was just like, jumping about like a yeah. crazy man. He was loving it. He's, uh, so I think that unless Inter need to sell him, which I don't think they do now, they won't be going anywhere. Keep him, him and De Vrij, I think it'd be a very good partnership. And if they keep Jean Miranda as well, that could go into a nice back three, um, which Spalletti likes as well, which can kind of change things up a bit um, next season. So instead of just playing this, basically he played the same formation every single game this season, Spalletti. So it gives them a bit more options as well. Um Anything? Anybody got anything else to say just, for Inter? As you were saying that, you you could probably throw fullbacks into the mix of where Inter need to strengthen because at times this year they had they had D'Ambrosio. Who else? Did, Cancelo definitely. No, needs you, to you wonder with Cancelo if because Condogbia seemed to do so well at Valencia, you wonder if they can just work out a kind of a swap. Yeah, and I know that FFP comes into it, and Valencia kind of are looking for probably money up front or. But you wonder just, you want him and we want him. Can we not just do a deal? And I know football's not that simple, but to me, <laughs> it should be. I wouldn't be surprised if something along those lines didn't happen. Though, I don't, I, I, like Yuto Nagatomo will come back and everything. <laughs> life, life will be in balance again. Uh, Andrea Ranocchi <laughs> is going to be in the Champions League next year, so get Yuto in as well. Uh, maybe. I've got to wait. Somebody's asked me a question. I'm looking at the, looking at the questions there. Is Dov from Glasgow? Dov is not from Glasgow. Dov is from Edinburgh. Um, Paddy's from Glasgow, though. He's got a wee Glasgow twang. Haven't you, Podrig? Yes. Um, aye. <laughs> aye. Aye. We've got another question here from Rizan Upara, and he says, Inter need Balotelli. So he's a lack and homegrown oh, players for the I Champions like League. And he says, replace Candreva with Balotelli. Well, I'll tell you Hold on, I'm going to tell you how this is just not going to work because Inter's official line on their TV channel, right, uh, is yeah. Balotelli doesn't exist. So when they're doing like you know, on this day or anything like that, Balotelli doesn't exist. So he's like not mentioned in any kind of historical reports or reviews or anything like that. Doesn't what? exist. Is that because he went to Milan? Yeah. Well, I, think I think that's one of the reasons. Yeah. He's. Uh, I think him, he's not allowed in there. There's a couple of other ones I can't remember. That, like Inter's like official line is we don't mention them. What? So I can't imagine Balotelli is going to be winging it back to Inter anytime <laughs> soon. Um, Balotelli, come back to Rome, Napoli. I'd love Lassi. him at Napoli. That'd be great. 
Lazio, get him at Lazio. That would be good. Oh, Dov. Why? That would be fun. No, it wouldn't. Him and Chiro Immobile, tearing it up. It's Immobile, fine. Balotelli, it wouldn't work for him there. Ah, how do you know? Doesn't work. To be fair, it doesn't work from anywhere really. Like everywhere he's been, it's always yeah, just like, keep him where he is. He, he's doing well. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, my, that's my opinion on it. Like, don't ruin it. He's doing well. Keep him there. <laughs> Have him bang some goals in for Italy under Bobby Mancio and everyone will be happy. Christ, right? Anybody got anything left on Inter? Yeah, just the, the last thing I want to know is just what happened to Kandreva because I love. He didn't him. score this season. Exactly, and. Every time I think of Kandreva, I just think of scoring screamers on the angle from the edge of the box. And it's probably based on like one goal he scored for Lazio against Milan a few years ago. But I think the Milan derby was 2017 now, is the last time he scored a goal. That, that's what's happened. To him. Well, he was trying his best. I think yeah, everything in the last like, four or five games, anything got anywhere near the goal, he was just having a shot. I think the last worked. month of the season, he was aware that he, he hadn't scored. And yeah, you could see it all right. It did get really funny, didn't it? Um, Opta released their team of the season, though, and then they did an Italian team of the season, and Antonio Condreva got into it. That's because of like statistics and things like that. Like they'll be, they'll have like the best passing percentage or but the we, best dribbling we have a percentage of zero. Oh. That's <laughs> yeah, exactly. They're zero. the only one that matters. Yeah. <laughs> um, right. Moving on. Like, we'll talk about the Lazio because obviously. Their season is now defined by that game, or not even that game, that 10-minute period at the end uh, of the, the match against Inter. For, I, think, I think that's unfair, because I think Lazio have been fantastic the, the entire campaign, and they're probably the only team apart from Juve and Napoli that haven't really had a blip where they've been bad for a long period of games. They've had like, the odd game here and there, but it's never been like, oh, they've... Like, like Inter going like rubbish for two months or Milan doing the same. It's like Lazio have kind of been consistently good all year. Um, and then they screwed it up at the end. Obviously, Chiro Immobile, top scorer, along with Mauro Icardi, got more assists than Icardi. I think he was involved in 38 goals altogether to Icardi's 30. Um, so, Paddy... Lazio were brilliant, apart from that wee bit at the end. Yeah, no, love them, Dov. If if there was probably one Serie A team that I was going to tune in and watch and make a point of watching every week, just based solely on how entertaining they are, then it would be Lazio. The football they played was fantastic. They just always on the front foot, always pressing, exciting, players making angles. They just didn't enjoy to watch it. Maybe it cost them, actually... Um, in the Europa League, which really they were good enough to to get to the final of that, I felt, and um, they just kind of imploded a bit. And Salzburg, that was that was kind of the only I think, apart from the the last game of the season, but that was just as you said, ten minutes of madness. It's kind of the same in, in Austria. It was forty five minutes of madness. Just it was just two little blips, like small 10, 20 minute spells in two massive games that that I really wouldn't want to see take the shine off their season because I, I've just just love watching them every week. The the only team that had three players that reached double figures, they were the top scoring team in the league. Just it shows you in Zaggy's commitment just to, to good football and, and entertaining football. But also it wasn't like as much as I love him, Zenic Zemin, who he does deliver that excellent football, that attacking football, but 
probably doesn't always get the results. And Zaghi was managing to combine that, as you said, with not really having a blip throughout the season. There was no real massively inconsistent spells from them. He was getting winning football and doing it in style, which can you really ask any more than that? That, that That's what I watch football for. You wanted to be entertained and they certainly did that all season long. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? entertained? <laughs> um, Connor, were you entertained? Yeah, it, it was hard not to be, as Podrick has said. After, for me, it was Napoli who I tuned in to watch every week. And then after that, if Lazio are on, I'd definitely watch them because they were great. And it's kind of sad that they're probably not going to be the same team next year because you would imagine they will be absolutely stripped to the bones. Uh, but Sergei Milinkovic Savic has been someone who, when he's been on it, he had a quite a couple of months towards the end of the season. But when he's on his game, there are few midfielders in Brilliant. Europe that are more enjoyable to watch. He's uh, we compared him to Paul Pogba at times this season, and just that like, he's so physically present and powerful. And then he's got this perfectly slight touch and these quick feet. And Milinkovic Savic is worth tuning in to watch alone. Never mind when you've got everything going on around him from Immobile banging them in up front to Felipe Anderson and the rest. But now Lazio have been enjoyable this year. Yeah, and, he, and even even then, he can still get better as well, which is the scary thing. Like, he's been so good this season, you think, he can still get better, he can still improve. <laughs> yes, I'm kind of worried for him to move this summer because he might just stall. I, I'd love him to spend another season with Lazio and see what he can do before moving mm-hmm. somewhere else, but it's unlikely. Well, Latito yeah, wants his 100 million, so... Uh, you probably think... if. With Milinkovic Savic's concerned, he probably thinks he should be playing now. He's reached the stage probably playing Champions League football. And if 10 more minutes, if they'd have held on, maybe that would have been enough to keep him. But you just wonder if uh, if he really makes a play to, to get away this summer. But as Dolph said, I think Lotito has made it pretty clear that it's going to take £100 million to sign him. And, and that's, that's a big gamble as well for a, a team to take, I suppose. So... Hopefully, hopefully they keep hold of them, as you said, because like so many in the team, he's just so exciting to watch. Mm. Well, let's keep on the Lazio loving because let's talk about big Chiro, Chiro Immobile smashing goals in left, right, and center. Um, we made we, we screwed up a little bit when we when did when we did our awards because he scored an amazing kind of like scorpion back heel kick that we forgot to put in the goal of the season, which was really good, which uh, some Lazio fans nicely pointed out. Um, but he basically anytime he got the ball, it was a goal. That's pretty much what happened with him. Um, but I think probably the the shining star, if you if you've seen it in, a, in an attacking sense, was Luis Alberto. Who's seen that coming? Nobody. No, the, I think I said it to you. I think me and you were talking to him the season at one stage that it was kind of two ex Liverpool players, him and Lucas Leiva, who. Maybe mm. nobody was quite too sure about both of them um, when they arrived. But Lucas Leiva's been outstanding as well. And uh, yeah, Luis Alberto, kind of just, he kind of fitted in more. It's almost that that kind of role that, I know we touched on a few minutes ago, that Kandreva had there, where just, he's so direct, just wants to go at goal. And whether it's linking up, which he, he just he had a great kind of rapport with him, mobile, or going for a goal himself, he was one that... Uh, yeah, like you said, he wouldn't have been one before the season started that many would have tipped. You'd obviously you'd had Malinkovic Savage, people expected a big season from him. I think Immobile, he was going always going to be the lone target man, and Felipe Anderson, who 
yeah, he can be inconsistent, but you're always kind of, you're always I suppose kind of waiting for him to kick on at the next level. And then Luis Alberto, I think, apart from Immobile, has he's been the star man, I think, of the team taking out Immobile's goals. I've got a couple of questions. Um, Aaron Holland's back with us. He said, uh, Connor, do you think if Ketabaldi stayed there, um, it would have made a difference for Lazio? Uh, for Lazio? Um, and Podrick, this is for you. So after Connor, would you have Immobile this season or Immobile when he had his great season at Torino? Um, I'm, I'm Balde. I'm not, I'm not sure. I think getting rid of him was probably good when it happened uh, at the time i thought they might take a step back but balde is i think he's quite hit and miss wasn't he of all his time at lazio he, he could be sensational one week and then absent the next and this lazio team are very much that they're a team and it just worked so perfectly this year that i don't, I don't think having Keita Balde around would have made things all that much better. He, he might have just kind of gotten the way of what everyone else was trying to do. Uh, I'm sure people will disagree with me on that, but Balde is a player that has frustrated me in all his years in Serie A. But Podrick, I'll, I'll let you take over with the Immobile question. Yeah, see, the biased part of me would say I'd prefer Immobile when he was at Torino, but, but I think if you look at it statistically, as Dolph said, he touched on it that he'd been involved in 38 goals. I think since Serie A moved to a 20-team format, literally no player has ever has ever been involved in that many goals. So, by statistical logic alone, I think you would have to say that Immobile is better now than he was then, and it will always haunt me forever. Dolph, I think I was talking to you on the eve of the season that I saw that Chiro Immobile was a he was a cheeky twenty-five to one with bookmakers to be Capo Cananieri. And I uh, didn't make it to the bookmakers in time. The season began, all that and oh the last two weeks of the season I was just please let a cardio outscore him. Please let a cardio outscore just so I don't regret it forever. But no, now I'll regret it forever. So so for that reason actually that he took the money out of my pocket, I'm gonna say Torino Immobile, even though He's probably a better player now than he was then. There you go, everybody. There you go. Um, and then just one point I quickly will touch on before we move on from Lazio. Simone Inzaghi, for me, best coach this season. I think he's been amazing, or he's done amazing. Apart from those, like you say, two blips, I think he's, for what they are in terms of squad depth and and, and, and the, 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 the kind of changes that were made, like losing their captain somewhere, I think he is brilliant. So, and and he'll probably I mean, the good thing is he'll stay there next season as well because he's nowhere to go, which is good for them. Um. So yeah, Simone Zaghi, what a what a, what a coach, what a coach. Can we can we just um bring it down? As great as Lazio have been, they did sign Nani, and he has been an absolute joke. I I just wanted to get a little dig on <laughs> Nani in there before we move on because he's I been shite. It was quite funny when, like, when Lazio were chasing the game against Inter, and they brought on Nani, <laughs> expecting him to do something. And you're just like, yeah, you've screwed up, Simone. You've like, you were doing good until then, but there you go. Um, right now, this is going to be a fun bit. Let's talk about Achi Milan. <laughs> that was a tease. Yeah, that you was going to be fun. You got me. I'll, I'll get you get to talk about your little team eventually, um, but we're going to talk about Achi Milan first because whoa, it's been a tough season. 
in the red and black half of the San Siro. Um, I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Everybody thought they were going to win the title. <laughs> that didn't happen. Um, Paddy, where did it all go wrong? Uh, you'd probably be easy to, to lay the blame at Montella's door. But to be honest, though, I- and you, I know you can kind of, it's easier to say it now, but I think a lot of people were saying it back then, those that didn't get too carried away by last summer's summer business. For the amount of money that they spent and you looked at the players that were coming in, I think they would have wanted a better quality of player than than a lot of the, the ones that they signed. Like Bonucci, fantastic signing. I think Charlie Noglu is a, he's just, he's a wizard. Like he can He can literally change the game even with his set pieces, I don't never mind with, with the ball at his feet, but the, the money that was spent on some others, like Andre Silva and Kalinic, and I think Kessie's been good as well, but th- there was a lot of money spent on a lot of players that they, they haven't worked out, and Milan are going to be punished for spending that money going forward. So I think in the, the, it started, I think, before the season even started. I, I don't think they signed players. I wasn't looking at Milan coming into the season going, that the calibre of players they've signed are enough to get Milan where they feel they should be, and that is challenging for the Scudetto, and I, I think that is where they should be. They shouldn't be a team that are scraping to get into the Champions League and ultimately failing to get into the Champions League because this is a massive club. It's only 10 years ago that they were winning Champions Leagues, and you know, given their history, that is where they should be. But the calibre of player that they signed, I never felt was enough to to get them into that kind of skedetal contention. And they've said that this summer is going to be a summer where it's only kind of filling a few gaps and a few bits of quality here and there. Maybe two or three players is going to be the limit on what they bring in this summer. So they really have to choose wisely, I think, with those two or three players because they really cannot 
have another season where they don't finish in the top four, especially all the Champions League money that is there just by finishing in the top four. But there is some quality teams that we've already discussed that are ahead of them in the race for those four positions. So they're in a bit of a sticky spot, I think, going forward. And that's without even touching on Gattuso, who may or may not be the, the man for the job. No, that's the I'll I'll hold both my hands up. I got carried away last summer when Milan spent all the money because I thought they were spending it quite well and the money that they had spent up until the point that will come to you is that it, it's gonna be enough for them to compete to get into the Champions League. And then when they went and got Bonucci um Lucas Biglia, which is funny to say now looking back, I thought that was the they were the moves that elevated them. And I thought they were going to be the moves that put them into the conversation. I didn't see Juventus being as good as they were. I didn't see Napoli being quite this good. And I thought that the eventual winners would finish on something like 80 points. And I thought after Milan Summer that they could be in that conversation. And I was so wrong. They spent, what, 250 million euro to get one point more this season than they got last, which... That's an expensive point to win. It's funny. I've taken a lot of stick on Twitter this season from Milan fans for laughing at this situation. But in five years, Milan fans will find this funny as well because the mismanagement that's gone on there and the the spending, it, it is really funny that they've only got one point more than they did last year. The one hmm. thing I'd say, though, Dov, I don't know how you feel on this one, is that... They are obviously committing to developing like youth, and you saw Catroni and stuff like that get players like that got more of a chance. And you've seen like Romagnoli, I suppose you can't expect him to be making big strides now, but players like that have kind of improved. I don't know if you think maybe they kind of deserve a bit of leeway, maybe even though they should be challenging for the Champions League. That I think you, you do see like the, the team that goes on to the park every week, it is a reasonably young team compared to the rest of Serie A? Well, well they actually was the youngest team compared yeah, to the rest well, of Serie A. <laughs> Statistically, like, they, had, they fielded the youngest kind of group of players out of all the teams. I think it's like 25 years and 200 and odd days. So, yeah, it's all good promoting youth, but I think this season's an abject failure for them. Uh, nothing, you can't say anything else. They needed to get into the Champions League. Yeah. That is literally as simple as that. And they didn't do it. And the thing is, as well, they were never even close to doing it. That's probably the thing that makes it more of a failure, is that I think maybe after the, like four or five games at the start of the season after that, they just tailed off. And we're never in the Champions League race at all. I think there was maybe a point after Gattuso came in where it was like, yeah, oh, we're almost there. But eventually he got his contract and then they kind of tailed off again. Um so I, I think there's you can't take you, you can't take too many positives. I think Cotroni is a positive. I think Romagnoli is a positive. Gattuso, I think, is a positive, surprisingly. But I mean, apart from that, you're kind of struggling. I think. I think Suso maybe like, but then Suso's rubbish. I'm sorry, yeah. Suso rubbish. Suso does one thing: he gets the ball on the on the le- on the right. Sorry, cuts in on his left and does his wee curly shot. That's all he does. He's not fast enough. He can't take on players enough or get past them properly. He is far too lightweight. He can't last 90 minutes the way that Gattuso wants him to. I think if you look at Chalanoglu, who's a similar type of player, 
the way that he's come on under Gattuso and the way that mm. Suso hasn't tells me a lot. And I think if Milan, well, I know that if Milan get a decent offer for Suso, he'll be gone. Well, I think he's got, I think his release clause is like 40 million in his contract anyway. So if someone wants to meet that and mm. you wouldn't be surprised, what's, what's 40 million in the market now, then Milan won't even have a say in and he'll be gone. So Yeah, exactly. And I think that obviously well now, after we've seen what's happened in terms of Milan's European woes and, and not meeting the FFP regulations, they'll need to sell somebody. Um, the big one is Donnarumma. He's gone. Donnarumma's well, finished. Well, I suppose you kind of have to discuss him as well, don't you? If you're going to discuss Milan season, like what happened to him? <laughs> He's so overrated and overhyped, it's unbelievable. There you go, I've said it. Right, he is, he is because his name is Gianluigi and he's an Italian goalkeeper starting off. Right, his name doesn't really have much when to do with it. Still, I'm not talking about his name, I'm talking about how he plays. I, no, but there, there is the fact that he's the next Gigi Buffon as he's been hyped, but he's also not been given the easiest task by Milan fans who have just completely turned on him and it's easy to forget because when you look at him you think he's in his 30s but he's a kid he's he was what 18 when the season began and he was having money thrown at him and I know he needs to take some responsibility but he gets paid six and a half million euros a year Connor like he's not a child he gets paid a lot of money but he's not a man either. Like, Mino Raiola is the man behind him who is the reason he's getting six and a half million euro a year. And I would have liked to have seen Donnarumma completely quit his ties with Raiola during the season. But he's, he's not going to do that. Raiola, uh, Raiola, as much as people don't like him as an agent, he's fantastic. Oh, he does want, job. You, want, you, want a, you don't want another agent because he's the best at it. You don't That's want cool. another agent if you if you want to move clubs. And it's clear that Donnarumma wants to move clubs. If if he did, if he wanted to stay at Milan forever, he wouldn't have Raiola as his agent. I think he would stay at Milan forever if Milan were capable of actually challenging for the Scudetto, Scudettos or being in the Champions League. But the fact that they're kind of floundering in like sixth and seventh place, like making sure of a Europa League spot in the last couple of games of the season, he obviously wants to be in the top echelon of European football. And at Milan, he's not going to get that. This, particularly not now or in the recent future, I don't think. So that's yeah, why. He does have to earn that as well, though, doesn't he? Which goes back to what you're yeah. saying, that he's overrated. I think you've been banging that drum for a while, and I, 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 I don't understand. disagree with you a lot about it. Like, I, I've always been kind of a fan, but like this season it hasn't been his best like you, you're expecting at his age to kind of keep keep improving and keep kicking on and yeah it's, it's been disappointing for, for me getting to the point where in every game you can see a mistake coming from him or you see that there's a mistake in him and not just like oh yeah he made a bad pass like a a cup Italia style mistake but then he did like 10 million in the like in space of like two seconds um, but Every game I've been, obviously I've watched I think, pretty much every single Milan game this season and it takes far too long with distribution. He doesn't know what he's going to do with it. Like uh, the Coppa Italia is uh, an example where Mandzukic got about a couple of inches away from nicking the ball off him about five times. If you're a goalkeeper, you can't do that because then it means the defence doesn't have confidence, confidence in you. You then doubt yourself and goalkeepers is such kind of 
they're mentally fragile, I think, that if there's too many games and they make too many mistakes, that can then lead to just them collapsing in terms of their own confidence in themselves. And I think he right now is kind of in a tricky position where if he has another season like he's had just now, then that potential, which he does have, because instinctively he's amazing. When you when somebody fires like a ball at him, I can't, who who was it? Was it Mertens or Milik in the Napoli game? He just made this amazing save out of nothing. You're like, how on earth can you do that? He's brilliant at doing stuff like that, but where it's like coming for a cross or a long shot that he's got time to steady himself, he makes mistakes. I think and that stuff will come though. The goalkeepers generally don't hit their peak until quite late in their careers and although yeah, he's been around for three years fine. now and I which do think fine. Donnarumma can still hit the heights that he was expected to but maybe people yeah, thought he was going to be the best goalkeeper of all time by the time he's 21 yeah exactly people thought he was going to be Buffon when Buffon was his best yeah people just need to push the clock back <laughs> a little bit because at the moment I wouldn't even have him as number one for Italy to be honest neither but, would I it shouldn't be anywhere near that as far no, as I'm concerned Perrine is just Perrine is brilliant yeah Fantastic, yeah. okay, uh, let's, let's see what people are saying in the comments section. We've got some stuff. Aaron Holland roller coasters have less turns than that Milan season. <laughs> um, that was good. What else? Gattuso wearing the same blazer. Insert obligatory Barini comment. I think he's been all right this year, you know. Barini's yeah. kind of, especially see, that, 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 I think it comes back to that, though, like if. If you want to be challenging for a Scudetto and getting into the top four, you don't sign Barini. But the thing is, he signed Barini as a striker and he's played at right back, right back left yeah. back, yeah. centre midfield, like defensive midfield. He's played everywhere apart from striker. He's, <laughs> so. he's done very well at right back. And the fact that, yeah, it, it says a lot about Milan's policy last summer that he was brought in. But to give him some credit, he, he hasn't looked out of place in that team, which probably says more about them than him. But I'm not going to bash him. Oh, your boy Conte, Connor. He'll, he'll come Are we Conte? He's, yeah, well, maybe. Depends how long he can stay fit for. Um, I think that's a big loss as well. I think he would have been good for him this season. He's a good wee player, but... <sighs> well, they're just, they're just so, yeah, they're so frustrated, man. It's like... You're spending that amount of money. You need to do get in the Champions League or challenge for it, but they don't do it. And now we don't know what's going to happen with them. Donnarumma's probably going to go... Uh, did we even talk about Kalinic? Christ, oh, almighty. Is there any point? I think Kalinic was part of the, the preamble before. The Kalinic, Andre Silva. I mean, if you're going through kind of like worst signings of the season, you just basically look at Milan's ins and then maybe take Bonucci away and then just put the rest there as like worst signings and let people. Yeah, like even Ricardo Rodriguez, I, I was expecting more out of him. Um, given he yeah. been pretty, like, by all accounts, a really solid player in the Bundesliga and Swiss international. And all I really know about him is that he takes a decent penalty, but I'm not sure how good he is defensively. <laughs> I don't know why he's pretending to be a defender because he can't defend but he's quite good going forward so just rebrand himself as a left winger and he'd be alright yeah well Gattuso will get out of him with his grinter <laughs> do you like Gattuso? Gattuso good is everybody happy with Gattuso? give him another year and we'll I love Gattuso I think he's great 
don't know. I'm not really too fussed about his tactics. I just like him because when he's doing press conferences and stuff like that, he just does not give any shits about anything. He just does whatever he wants. He's like, I don't know. Well, he managed to turn it. It was at the pre-Coppa Italia final press conference. He managed to shoehorn in an anecdote about eating snails before Champions League semi-finals. So, yeah, you're guaranteed entertainment. Like there was one I remember being at one press that was post-match, and all like they like maybe lasted about 10, 15 minutes, twenty minutes maximum, and everybody had asked them questions, and then somebody was about to ask him, and the press officer was like, "No, no, no, it's finished. Time's up," and then Gattuso went. Turned to him and went, no, he's asked a question and I'm going to answer it. So you just sit So basically, said, you just sit down and listen to the question and they just answered him and like, had a wee conversation. And he's just like, most other coaches would be like, right, fine, see you later. But he's just like, no, I'm here and I'm going to. He's the boss. He's brilliant. I love him. I do really want him to do well. That is something I didn't know, but that's quite nice. And the fact that he is a bit mental and you do love a bit of that. <laughs> He's mad, and in the last one, his last uh, press conference um, against for, uh, the game I get like against Fiorentina, but the one before the game, uh, shook every, every journalist's hand before the press conference, welcomed them all into the press room. No other coach has done that. Nice. Lovely. Oh, he's, he's a nice guy. I like. I like. Thank Lorenzo Dana, does it? Listen, mate. We'll get to him. We'll get to him. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're, we're going to we're going to talk about nice things. Um, Connor Atalanta. Guys, you two can leave if you want. (laughs) (laughs) You've already already done 15 minutes of this on Sunday, and I had to stop you then. Um, What's that? Hashtag Atalanta life. Atalanta life. Go Atalanta go. Go Atalanta go. Go Atalanta go was my favorite. (laughs) Um, Those hashtags, they retweet you though, so. Oh yeah, well that, yeah, we, we've seen that. We've seen that. Um, he just lives for his retweets. Look, people are celebrating in the comments. Aaron Holland, hey, it's time. He's delighted <laughs> we're talking about that. He called for it from the first minute of this. Yeah, way. like no, nobody wanted that. No, nobody wants this. <laughs> nobody wants this. But we have to do it because they got into Europe again, again, though. Again. They got so, into Europe again after getting out of the group stage this season, which was more than they ever could have asked for. Um, can can you guys? Talk about them, maybe, because I've kind of said my piece on Sunday, so I'm sure you guys, when we'll you... We'll rip into them, Don. We'll, we'll fade away. Gasparini needs sacked. Get rid of them. What a disappointment. He only finished seventh, seventh, with that Milan team, and he couldn't even beat them. <laughs> uh, but no, seriously. No, seriously, Atalanta are amazing. What they're doing is amazing. Um, of it, they've got the, Everybody knows they've got the best youth sector in the country Gasparini is a really really good coach um the, I remember I remember watch first started watching him properly when he was at Genoa and he took them to the Europa League almost in the Champions League and that was like about 10 years ago um he's got his system he's, he's three four three essentially perfect loves it believes in it he knows exactly what each player should do and make sure they know what they should do. And I think the players at Atalanta have really bought into it as well. Whereas I think there are times at Genoa, particularly Inter. Yeah, he was there. he got a rough deal at that, didn't he? The he players, that, yeah, new system, they didn't buy into it, so it didn't work. But I think Atalanta, they really kind of like, this is good. This is quite nice to watch. This works. Hashtag Atalanta life. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
So yeah, no, it's good. And and the thing is as well, the fans love it. And I know one of the reasons that you've picked Atalanta as your team corner after choosing Genoa, uh, Tino, yeah. Roma, Sassuolo, <laughs> all, all the teams before you got to Atalanta is because of the supporters, mm. because they're all mad bastards. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. We went to the Atalanta-Lazio game and it was pissing rain in Bergamo. You could barely see 10 yards in front of the other stadium looked like an absolute shithole. But it was. It yeah, look it, like one. It was. But I remember us eating, like having a coffee or something before the game at 10 o'clock in the morning, looking across at it, and I was thinking, what have I got myself in for? And then we went in, and me and Paddy were loving it. Padraig will pretend that he, he wasn't, but me and him were planning, oh, if they score again, we'll run back and start banging on the fence. And sure enough, the big man, Dennis, went through. Uh, Aaron Holland wants to know, is there a team that defies the odds more than Atalanta? And I, don't um, I answered that for him, so it's fine. Uh, apologies. Uh, but. Uh, <laughs> um, no, like, in all seriousness, how are Atalanta able to do this, Connor? How can they get into Europe against all the odds, have a really good European campaign where they should have beat Dortmund, they probably would have beat Salzburg, and theoretically they could even have got to the final, given how the draw panned out and how they performed in the competition. Um, and then to go and do it again. It, like, it's madness. Gasparini is the key, isn't he? Well, the, I know the fans were loving it. They had their big tifo of him. So. Yeah, long life to Gasparini, and he was loving that as well. Mm. Uh, I think Gasparini life, a new hashtag. Oh, I don't, I don't give <laughs> them ideas. I'm going to tweet them that later <laughs> and see what, how that goes. Uh, no, I think he is, because as I've said, to absolute death this season, players have come and gone. And Gasparini just keeps delivering, whether it's in defence with Maziello Palomino, Taloy, Caldara, whoever plays, they all know their jobs. And it's really strange that they seem to have this like rotating, attacking defender where Maziello will go forward, the other two will stay back, then Taloy will take his turn, and the other two will stay back. And a midfield two of Martin Darun and Remo Freuler this time. Like Remo, Remo, what a player he is. He is. I love him. I really love Remo. him. I know you do. I wrote about it last over <laughs> and you and Padraig ridiculed me on a podcast about it. But I stand by it. Um, if he's there next season, I'll be delighted. But given they're in Europe again, I, I don't see why he wouldn't. Mm. It's going to be interesting to see what happens this summer because last summer they brought in Josip Ilicic and, that was, and Darun came back and that was about well, it. Last summer, did they not keep hold of Alejandro Gomez? You, I believe. Ah, yes, people, people, out, turn, your, yeah. turn your headphones up. Yeah, because Take last notes. summer, Mr. Connor Clancy mm. sent out a tweet in which he said that if Alejandro Gomez is still at Atalanta at the start of the season, what was it you said you'd get, Connor? A, ta- a tattoo? tattoo. Was it, I love Papu? Or? It, was just, it was Papu and a love heart. Yeah, Papu and the love heart. So, can you show us this tattoo? Yeah, show us the tattoo, out? please. Yeah. Are we doing this now? I thought we were going to do like a, a Twitter thing because I, I have it. Oh, you mean you haven't done it? I have got it. I showed well, photos of it. Yeah. No, 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 do it now. Really? <laughs> get, get, well, it depends where it is. If it's on your it's, bum, it's on my leg. leg. That's a bit, That's a bit. Yeah, I've shown you photos of this already. This nice Jurassic Park top top. Oh, there it is. I can see it. I, I can see a decayed leg. Oh my god. <laughs> a promise is a promise, guys. What will you do if he stays yeah. this summer? Will you get one on the other leg? I'll get it again, yeah. 
He signed so, the so eventually, like when, when he's been there for like fifty years, you're just gonna be, like, your legs just going to be Papu and Love Hearts. President Papu the whole way down my leg, yeah, and I'll get it back to front and everything. But yeah, mm. like a, a bet's a bet. Yeah, there you go. Thank God, mm. me and you don't hurt so silly, are we? Exactly. We're the sensible ones in this. Yeah. Um, we've got the question: Will Patania be the starting striker? What happened to Patania? Because he seemed to not be very good this season. It's well, there are. There are rumors that I told you. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know. If it, I wasn't allowed. I wasn't allowed to say them on the podcast. So. Never no, no, no. Fire away. Atlanta don't like us anyway, so it's fine. Oh, fair enough. Oh, yeah, no, no. apparently he's um, he just got a bit carried away with his success over the last year, and he moved into what is it, the Bosco, Bosco Verticale, Verticale in, in Milan, which is, and he hangs out with really old, like 50, 60 year old men, which is quite strange. Um, <laughs> what are you suggesting? It's really weird. If you follow on Instagram, you see him hanging out with a sixty-year-old all the time. It's quite odd. That uh, might be his dad. No, I don't think it is. It's a really weird little thing. And him and Josip Ilicic are good friends. Uh, Ilicic obviously being a bit of a high roller, and Patania's success has just gone to his head a bit. And I, I think Gasparini isn't too fond of it. So he's been playing this season with. Brian if Christante, I was a star, almost as a football player in Syria, I don't think I'd be hanging about with a 50, 60 year old man. No, it's really weird. I think there's plenty of other things a, a hot young Syria stud like Andrea. <laughs> well, he's got his girlfriend. Well, oh, that's, he's got that's his good. beautiful girlfriend as well who, who lives in Bosco Betacale with him. That's sexist, Clancy. What? To say he has a beautiful girlfriend? He's a woman in her own right. <laughs> He's not, he's not his girlfriend. He's her boyfriend. Well, I don't know her name. What, what do you want me to do? <laughs> oh, you don't even know her name. Honestly, that's terrible. Kind of Atalanta fan, are you? I know, I know her Instagram exactly. handle, if that's any help. <laughs> that's sexist as well. Um, Ilicic, there's one. Ilicic. Oh, he's so good. 11 goals, assists. It's not yeah. bad. It's, that is his best ever um, record in Serie A. He's amazing. He kind of has the freedom to just kind of arse around and do what he wants there as well. I know at Fiorentina there was probably more of an expectation on him to do the defensive work, which mm. to be fair, he, he does do when it's really necessary. But him and Gomez, for the most part, will kind of take it in turns. One of them stays up, the other drops back. And I think a club of Atalanta's profile just suits Ilicic a lot more. There's not as much expectation on him. There's mm. not as much pressure and he's given free reign. When he has the ball... If he takes a shot and misses, Patania's not going to give out to him. Do you know what I mean? Because if he passed up to Patania, he'd probably just miss anyway. But if there's a better striker there, he's probably feeling more obliged to play towards the team. But he's got that kind of creative license with Atalanta and it suits him down to the ground. I was only talking about Ilicic today. And if he did, if he was at his best every single week and played to the level that he can, he, he would be nowhere near Atalanta or someone like that. He'd be at one of the top clubs in Europe. But well, That's his problem. Exactly. <laughs> but we can take that at Atalanta. He doesn't need to be at his best every week because they're a small provincial club who are overachieving by finishing sixth and seventh. So it works. So what do they do now then? That's the thing. Where do they go from here? Back to EU Atalanta. Obviously, Caldara's off. Spinazzola's off. Um, Papo Gomez maybe off who knows nah, he's um, signed his contract he's there <laughs> and, uh, for the sake of your left leg you better stay <laughs> <laughs> um, it's my right leg and t- laser yeah. removal is, an all, is always an option 
Yeah. So, so, what, so what happens then? Next season, uh, do you think there'll be a bit more investment then? Because that's going to be two years a row in the Europa League. So that's not the, a lot of money, but it's a decent amount. And uh, do you think it'll be exactly the same, just all in on the, on the EU train? I think they've got the ability to do well in Europe again, as we saw this year. They do have to actually qualify next time around, which is obviously going to be annoying. Yeah, but they'll get some team from Lithuania or something. Or Ireland, maybe, they could play Cork, which would be fun. Cork are in the Champions League. They won't be, though, will they? They'll drop down. Um, no, they might not. Yeah, we're not. We're not turning this into the Ireland <laughs> podcast, so just keep going. Uh, but no, it's... It's kind of becoming the norm now, nearly, isn't it? If they do it again... You've been there for a season. Yeah, you know, no, no. They've, they've qualified twice in a row. And if they do it again next year, and there's no reason why they can't, because there's that top six, which probably will stay the same. And then the cup place will probably drop down again, because it will probably be won by Juventus again. Mm. So there's no reason why Atalanta can't aim to finish seventh or even break into that top six if Lazio can fall apart or something Maybe like that. Maybe the UV of seventh place. Maybe. <laughs> There's a lot of merit in that, you know, getting into Europe every year. I think it is. It's, it's it wouldn't mind Brozovic at Atalanta, which reminds me, Brozovic, since Spalletti dropped into deeper in the field, is brewing at Inter. So yeah. have that. Um, no, but no, in terms of like, uh, what, what I'm trying to get at, Connor, is in terms of kind of Atalanta, obviously they need to sell players. Like if UV come in and say, we want him, basically tough. He's going. Like, are you going to see? Can I, is that is that that's just going to be the trend? And can Atalanta kind of sustain the conveyor belt of good youngsters coming through, or do you think there's going to be a point maybe in a season or so where the big teams in the league have just stripped them of anybody half decent? And do you think it then has a bad effect for them doing so well that Milan and Juve and Inter are just like, oh, we'll keep an eye on Atalanta. They get in Europe every time. We'll have him, we'll have him, we'll have him. The two Milan clubs are kind of doing that already. Inter are being linked with, what, Illichic, Barrow, Bastoni. Um, Milan obviously took Kessie and Conti last year, Bonaventura before that. But uh, the conveyor belt's been going for about 25 years now, so I don't see why it's going to stop. And if they keep getting into Europe, albeit just the Europa League, they can attract more players than they would have been able to in recent years. So it's they're not going to be as reliant on the youth academy. Um, the likes of Josip Ilicic wouldn't have signed for Atalanta if they weren't in Europe. So I do think things like that will be probably become more frequent if they can stay in Europe. And Cristante is another who will probably leave. And they, they can probably afford to replace him with someone, although not as good. I, I know Alberto Brignola is being linked. A couple of players like that. Even Mario Palatelli was linked by somebody who's that would be amazing yeah that would be a lot of fun um no i I don't know i'm i'm not too pessimistic to be honest i I think there's every chance that atalanta could finish seventh again next year and we could be sitting here having the same conversation after gasparini signs another contract and papa gomez also signs another contract there you go right so that's atalanta done um there we go i'm gonna shoot off now guys this is all yeah he's waiting for that for like an hour he's like right get to Atalanta we need to get to Atalanta um, this, this, is going to be, this is going to be quick but I want to say say quick but the bottom of Serie A is Oof. absolute garbage there you go there's a season review Benevento Verona Crotone Spal Cagliari Bologna Udinese Chievo probably 10 extend Genoa Sassuolo absolute rubbish Get rid of them. 
We did. We got rid of three of them. <laughs> That's not enough. You got rid of one of the good ones. Benevento shouldn't have gone. No, they should. They were, like, how many games? <laughs> 13 games. They went without winning or getting a point. Although the bet one actually probably the best moment of the season was um, yes. Brignoli's goal against yeah. Milan. That was amazing. I'll yeah. give them that. And then they probably signed the best. They made the best signing in January with uh, uh, Diabate, who just I think he had like eight shots a goal and scored fifty goals. Brilliant. So he was good. But like the rest of like Verona rubbish, Crotone rubbish, Spal rubbish. They're all just rub- Udinese rubbish. Oh, Cable in a transition period, so that we can let them off. Oh, that. Well, but Udinese, like it says it all about how bad Serie A is that a team lost eleven games in a row and they still weren't really in trouble of getting relegated. Eleven mm. games in a row and they survived fairly comfortably. That shows how poor some of the teams below them were this season. Badger Demon says that Benevento should get 10 points for Brignoli's goal. Then <laughs> <laughs> the would be off, so they would like that. Um, it was another one as well. I think it was just further up. And uh, yeah, it was H. Huss who said, do you think Serie A will ever reach the heights of the Premier League? Um, obviously, kind of back in the day when Serie A was the best and it was the best of all of them. And I think that kind of goes back to the point where we're saying in terms of marketing, it's just so poorly marketed abroad. And they've got rubbish teams at the bottom, just absolute garbage teams, too many of them. That said, I don't think the Premier League probably has, I think that league's pretty poor in the, the bottom half as well. So I don't yeah. think that's just like a Serie A problem. They've but, shot teams in their top half as well. It's like there's six good teams. Oh, he's taking shots now, everyone dog. Everyone else is terrible. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, Italy have got one good team and everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> no but see like, but like, I think at the start of the season I, I don't know if it was a, a podcast or you guys or it might have been with Adam Digby but I, I, I kind of floated the idea of reducing it to 18 teams because there are te- like you've got obviously got that that, that, that kind of block of garbage that I mentioned and then you've got like the Sampdoria the Torino to an extent Atalanta Sassuolo, Fiorentina, that don't really do anything. What's they're not going to challenge for a Scudetto and they're not going to get relegated. And Atalanta are kind of breaking the mold a wee bit with a wee European adventure. But like Genoa, what's the point in Genoa? But there is e- no point in Genoa. Even had like Sassuolo did it under Di Francesco and they had their little adventure in Europe and Torino. And then they went back to being crap. Yeah, exactly. And, and then they've kind of, both teams have just kind of regressed and there's been maybe a few bad coaching decisions and it's different. You can't just tar them all them with the same brush. There's issues that Torino had that Sassuolo didn't have and, and vice versa. But you're right, like the, the, both of them have just kind of regressed and, and not really pushed on from that position of power. And it's something like... And Bologna, 15th place. Like, yeah. I, I forgot know, they were even in Serie A. To be honest, do you know what the do you know what the problem is? Their English social media account uh, <laughs> keeps keep, keeps telling uh, Donadoni how to do his job <laughs> and, and giving him tactical advice. Uh, I think that's the problem. <laughs> I wouldn't listen to that advice. Apart, well, apparently, he must do because um, they're crap. Um, and can Cagliari, Cagliari should uh, like that? Like, what, how, how do you fix that? There you go. There's a corner. How do you fix that bit at the bottom? How do we make that group of teams more competitive 
so that then when they come against Napoli, Juve, Roma, Inter, it's not just like, oh, well, you, Juve are playing Spal, like, that's always, like, just give Juve the three points, there's no point in even playing the game. I don't even really know. I, I think it should probably be reduced to, what, 18 teams, but I don't know if that necessarily makes the teams at the bottom any better, or if it just reduces the number of them that they are. There's less of them. Yeah. I think any team that's in, like, the bottom five should start with, like, a goal head start in every game. <laughs> that's going to make them worse. No, it won't. If they keep a clean sheet, they'll win the game. That's three points. Yeah. They, Im- they improve. And all yeah, of a but sudden... they know they have to do less. Yeah, but less is more. <laughs> You're just saying <laughs> things. I know. It's just an idea. It's just, just throwing spitball in here. Just throwing um, it out there. There you go. I like that. Less is more. Uh, should we talk about the coaches? Connor, Paddy, can you name me the coach with the best record in Serie A this season? Oh, here we go. Paddy, I think this is when me and you leave for a while. Yeah, well, we'll leave you to leave. I'm going I'm I'm to leave, leave a couple of minutes. People in the comment section, guess the coach, the best coach in Serie A season with the best record. I'll give yeah. them a few seconds. Can't they don't care, Dov. No one wants this. Yes, they do. Everyone wants to know who the best coach is. Everybody wants to know who the best coach is. Everybody wants to know this. And then once they hear the answer and what follows, and no one's going to be interested. I'll tell you, as we're building up to the best coach, right? I'll tell you the worst coach. That's obviously Deserbi at Benevento, who got 0.63 points per game. Fabio Pecchi at Verona wasn't much better. He got 0.66 points for, per game. So CM Fox, Pecchi is rubbish. God knows how he managed to stay in a job because everybody hates him at Verona. <laughs> um, oh, so, he's yeah, got so it, he's I, got it. Ready, right. So the coach with the best record in Serie A this season, three points per game he played was Lorenzo Dana, cable coach. What a guy. The man... See if, see if he was in charge of it. Well, it doesn't need to be in charge of any other team. Just wait till next season. If he keeps that record going, got Scudetto number one on the way. Diego mm. thing that dog, isn't it? Isn't Palissier have like a 100%, 100% record, record for Italy? Yeah. Aye, just give it, get him for the injury, scores goals. You know what you're getting. Fantastic. Um, so there you go. Actually, he was the worst coach of the season. Ventura. Never mind Serie A, just Ventura. <laughs> And you know, you're definitely on to something there. So, yeah. So, there's loads of rubbish at the bottom uh, of Serie A, and that's that. But Lorenzo Dano is the best coach, the cable boss. Um, right. We're going to take a little bit of a somber turn now because obviously the season's kind of like it's been a great season in terms of the football on the, on the pitch and, and getting a title race and a Champions League battle and everything that happened last day and a relegation battle and stuff. But obviously, Probably what most people remember this season for is the death of Davidia Story, which kind of shocked everybody, really, in Calcio. Like my missus woke me up and was like, I think you need to go and look at the news. Was it why? Like, Footballers died. Like, oh, crap. And I know Podrick, you, you were up already and you had done some stuff before. Yeah, I think, well, I think when I'd found out, I'd yeah, just seen a few people tweeting that, oh, sad news about a story and it doesn't kind of click with you and I think at first I was just thinking oh he must have picked up some kind of injury maybe his career's over something like that you just you, you don't you don't even think of it yeah you don't 
that at all. So yeah, so obviously that's the thing. Um, I don't want to kind of go into the. Uh, we all know it's a tragedy and the, the reasons why kind of it happened, and we don't like that. But I think a positive from it was the way it galvanised Florence Fiorentina that squad, and then they went on a what six or seven match winning run. You seen all the tributes and everything was done brilliantly well by everybody and kind of involved in the club and and things like that. So that that was good to see. Um, but kind of on a serious note, how how are Fiorentina going to move on from this in the summer? Because this is the time, Connor, where they can kind of build and plan. And do you think obviously now that's going to do you think it'll be a shadow hanging over them, or do you think it's something that like like happened in the season that they can bring them together and they can get back into Europe or Champions League? It's tough. I don't think they'll ever move on from a as a they've retired as number 13 shirt um there are players in that squad who would have been extremely close with them marco sportiello being one who's been told he's no longer wanted a fiorentina he's gonna be going this summer but ricardo sapanaro is another there's gonna be players there who will never forget david's story being there but eventually if they do bring in new players this summer there will be players who never met him um and life does go on in the end, you know, and as tough as it's going to be, Fiorentina will keep going and everything they do that's good now will be in the memory of Davide story, which I think will help them to find that extra bit of motivation. So next year they'll qualify for Europe. If they qualify for Europe, it will be for him. And It is a really tricky one. And I remember when it happened, we did the podcast the following day, I think it was, and it was tough to know what to even talk about because that is a cloud that hangs over absolutely everything and everything Fiorentina did since March 4th till now was, there was that cloud of Davide's story hanging over it. And mm-hmm. it. It did really bring the squad together and it's going to be, you would imagine that will continue to be true coming through the summer and into the next season. Yeah, no, no, I think so as well. Obviously, kind of, you're right. I think it's one of those things. I'm, I'm pragmatic in the sense where I'm a firm believer in life goes on, and you shouldn't kind of dwell on things like that, and, and even use it as inspiration. Uh, I think that that that's probably where it's best used, um, kind of living up to the memory in that sense. So I think I think kind of what Fiorentina did and how they handled everything was impeccable. Like you literally cannot say anything against what they did, everything they did was top notch and they should be commended for that. Um, and I think if, if they can, I, th- I think in the summer it'll be good because I think that with the way it kind of brought the president and obviously the owners who obviously had a bit of friction with the fans, it kind of brought them closer together, which then you can see they might put some investment in like the, the Badell's probably their kind of next most senior player looked like he's going to leave, but now probably will stay as well. So you've kind of got a lot of factors in that tragedy happening, which could ultimately help Fiorentina in a kind of weird way that you probably wouldn't want to happen, but it's kind of making the best of a bad situation, really. So, yeah. But it was sad. I think you know, even at the San Siro on, uh, on Sunday, Milan had a little tribute beforehand as well. 
So I think that's kind of something that because it's such a high profile player and the captain, so like I think with Vierica Preta, our colleague who's a Fiorentina fan and his family are from Florence, we're just like of all the players, why like the captain? Like it wasn't some dodgy youth player nobody would heard of or some old guy or anything. It was just it was the captain of the club, which I think kind of made it even worse. And the fact that it was a guy who nobody seemed to have a bad word to say about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so there you go. Just a little bit to remember the video story because it was a, a tragic moment. Right. Okay, let's bring it back up. Bring the energy levels back because um, predictions. We made predictions. Oh, no. <laughs> Way back in uh, August 2017, long time ago. Connor Clancy, you predicted Napoli were going to win the league. I did. I'm I'm glad that I did, though, because I was quite worried that I predicted. Why you were wrong, Connor? I know <laughs> it could have been so much worse. I remember at the time I put money on Napoli to win the league as well, and I remember being tempted by Milan. So I'm just glad I didn't go for Milan to win the league in my predictions. <laughs> but I'm not too ashamed of that. I think a lot of people would have ex- predicted Napoli to win the league. And yeah, not me, not Paddy. They got not 91 me. points. We so. picked Juventus. Yeah. Um, you've no, you've no romance in you. Cynics. We, we we just know we know how this country works. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you also picked Gonzalo Higuain to be top scorer. That didn't quite work out. But your player to watch was Lucas Torreira, who was fantastic. Had a really good season. Happy with so, that, yeah. So Although in the in the player of the season voting on the site, you got one vote or something, which is a disgrace. How many vote, how many votes do you want? <laughs> for Torreira I don't know he's been brilliant yeah he has been brilliant but that's not how votes work <laughs> sorry popularity <laughs> contest <laughs> yeah sorry sorry to, to burst your bubble butter, but yeah see see when you do your voting on Friday you go listen, <laughs> listen guys can I have about 20 votes because I think this is what should happen no it's not how it works <laughs> yeah, I should say I didn't even vote for him to be fair oh, there you go um, well, then what chance does the guy have to... <laughs> Paddy, you had obviously Juve to win. Everybody had uh, had Milan in the Champions League places, so yeah, that, that kind of shows you how rubbish they were. Um, relegation candidates, though, Paddy, you got Benevento and Hellas, right? Um, in the wrong order, though. Um, yeah. Obviously, Clancy, uh, you had Benevento. You did Cagliari, though. Although, Paddy, top scorer, who did you say? Ciro Immobile. Who was top scorer? Ciro Immobile. Well, I'm Kind of. <laughs> Um, and 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 I've got your wee blurb thing. You said this really feels like it could be the year that the Bianconeri are truly tested, and they were Mystic go. Meg. <laughs> Christ. Um, and I, I had who did I have? Juve to win. Brilliant. Um, I got Crotone and Benevento as relegation. Who did you have to be top scorer of? Mauro Icardi. You were top scorer, kind of. So we did, we did not bad. And the thing I wanted to see was a title race, so it was fine. God. Not a pretend one, a proper one. But a tight, I said a title race with twists and turns, and pressure and highs and lows, and that's what we got. So that was fine. And Kievo winning the Coppa Italia, which didn't quite win. Happen. There's always next season. We've got there. It is. Now. There you go. Who did that? Who was Connor's third team to be relegated though? Genoa. I believe Genoa. Why on earth did he Genoa to be ready? <laughs> Ask him, Connor, why on earth did you... I think, I don't know, it's back in August, but I'm pretty sure they had a 
terrible end to the season before and nearly ended up getting sucked into it. So it's probably based on that. Mm. And the fact that they're a bit of a pointless club. <laughs> or only one, only one more Scudetto and they've got a star on there. Exactly. I just wanted to get that in there for Vino Doria, who sadly can't be with us this evening. Yeah. I feel like he would have wanted me to say that. There we go. Well, that, that's us pretty much done everything. Is there anything we need to mention? Sampdoria had the third best home form in the league and probably the worst away form. Um, what else? What else happened? Sampdoria do deserve a bit of credit for what they did at home. And their league position is almost, almost false at the end of it because they were European contenders for a while. No, oh, they were below Torino. That was the correct. <laughs> Right. Imagine, imagine finishing below Torino, Christ almighty. It's a shame. Yeah, uh, Fabio Quagliarella, actually. Can we give him some love? Mm. We can. You can. Yeah. He, what age is he? 35, and he scored his best goal scoring season in Serie A. He had the amazing news off the pitch, obviously, about everything to do with his stalker being resolved. And he's, he's just been an absolute joy. I, I love Quagliarella. It was great to see him have such a good season and it is kind of a shame that Sampdoria couldn't do a little bit more for him. There you go. That's that's a wee bit on Fabio Qualarella. Should we do the awards or we do it. This mm-hmm. is an hour 45. Will we do it as a separate one? No, well, no, we'll let Nick do it so people can wait. Okay. Or no, should we do it quickly? Yeah, fuck it. Let's should we, should we go? Ah, we'll, we'll, run. we'll run through them quickly. So people here are the awards. Um, right, player of the season is. Are you ready for this, guys? Can we say? Are we going to say who we voted for? Or are you just going to? No, I'm just going to tell you, and then you can okay. just say things. Player of the season, Mauro Icardi. Oof, really? With, yeah, really. Twenty nine percent of the vote. Chiro Immobile was second, and then Allison third. So you go. Team of the season, Juve. I have a problem with this one. Why? They were the this best. should be... Juve did nothing other than hit their Four points than anybody like, else. <laughs> that's exactly what's expected of them. Whereas there are other teams who overachieved dramatically. And I, well, I Napoli were second. Be. And they were, they were only, what, eight votes behind Juve. Yeah. So, so it was tight. It was tight at the top. And then Roma were third. So, yeah, there you go. Uh, coach of the season... This was a tightly contested category. Uh, Gasparini did not win. It was Mauricio Sarri. Yeah, fair. Just, though. I think it was like 1% above uh, Di Francesco and then Allegri. To be fair, Di Francesco's done a very, very good job there as yeah. well. And Simone um, CM Fox thinks team of the season should be Spal. <laughs> nah, nah, see, no, I liked no, what no. they did. Like, I, when I looked at them before the season, I thought just based on who they had in the squad and who they brought in, I thought they kind of did it the right way. They uh, got guys in that had like Serie A experience. I quite liked the way they went about it. So I was happy to see them still. Mm. Goal of the season. You ready for this one? Mauro Icardi second against Milan on match day. Goal of the season. Goal of the season. I don't think that was goal of the season. There was that that, that Immobile one I mentioned before. There was yeah. the Mertens one against Lazio. Remember, his um, was a Van Basten thing. Yeah. That was a good one as well. There's a couple of Brignoli's Milan one, even though that wasn't the best goal. Just the, the, the fact that keeper scored. It yeah, yeah. See, see um, I'd be inclined yeah. to, to give it to that as well. Just 
Never mind how good the other ones were. A goalkeeper scored a last-minute equaliser. First point in Serie A against Milan. Yeah, Douglas exactly. Costa got an absolute beaut against Benevento. That was that was the second goal of the season. That was number two in the vote. So yeah, that was a really good one as well. Um, Chich obviously as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, signing of the season. Mm-hmm. Easy one. Screenia, Screenia by a country mile. Um, and then Douglas Costa was second, yeah. and then tied in third as Under and Kolarov at Roma. No, no Illich there either, no? It was there, but <laughs> yeah, it didn't get very much of the vote, sorry. Um, so, yeah. So, Kulu for Torino, he was signing um, of the season. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, he wasn't. The worst, <laughs> worst signing of the season. This is an easy one as well. Nico, the big Nico Kalinic, and then closely followed by Andre Silva. Closely followed by Ricardo Rodriguez. (laughs) (laughs) He he was closely followed by Nani at Lazio. So so we had that loser of the season. I love loser. (laughs) Uh, um, This was easy. This is Italy and Ventura. (laughs) Christ Almighty! Um, Throw Andrea Conti in there as well. What did he do? Did he he yeah, he got injured. Yeah. <sighs> That's not loser. That's not loser material. <laughs> um, no, no. Maybe um, Patania based on his extracurricular activity. <laughs> Patania, veteran player of the season. So this is somebody over 30. Oh, I know. You know, yeah, veteran player first, yeah. Over 30, 35 or over at the start of the season. Buffon. Although... Mm. See, I think that's been hijacked by UV fans. Qualiarella <laughs> was next with the hunt, like he got 35%. Then Rodrigo Palacio uh, was third. Sergio Polisi and Stefano Sorrentino were amazing, as always. How come the, the people don't understand? It's just the big club bias. Young player of the season, easy again. Patrick Cutrone. Don't know. Torreira. Torreira was there, uh, yeah, but he was miles down. Yeah, so did he qualify for the award? He, he, he did qualify. He was third in the award. Cengiz was second. And then Jan Caramo from Inter. So there you go. People actually voted for Jakob Jankto at Udinese. That's just funny. you refreshing your fucking browser. Probably, probably. And then, then, the big one. The Marco Materazzi Award for Greatness. For Greatness. This was close this year, wasn't it? It was. But once again, it was won by the man, the legend, Marco Materazzi. That's well deserved. As always. always. What a guy. What a a man. He must have a 100% record in that competition, which is, it's more impressive than Juve's seven Scudetti in a row. He He just bleeds. Greatness. <laughs> Someday Zlatan will win that award, though. Someday. So, it, it, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe. That's probably like the only thing Zlatan probably couldn't do, though. <laughs> he do everything else, maybe not that. Yeah, um, what is there anything else? Let's have a look at the comments. Um, Belotti. He was Uh-oh. rubbish, Paddy. He was crap. What happened? Yeah. Yeah. It was injuries, and I think there was a lot of pressure, kind of, I suppose, on him as well to, to deliver and keep up the the high level of performances and the expectations he'd set and didn't do it yeah Iago Falke even outshone him this season there you go Christ <laughs> well there you go that says it all 
Um, yeah, that's that's yeah, that's pretty much it. So yeah, we've we've smashed it. That's a bit emotional, guys. Well, we're not we're not going anywhere, and um, where yeah. we are in this particular. Not world. to Russia. We're not going to Russia. No, we're not. No, it's just a World Cup. Who needs it? Who exactly? I, I'm I'm more about the Confederations Cup. Me, I like that much better. Yeah. The UEFA Nations League. Yeah, I'm exactly. I'm more excited about that. I can't wait for the UEFA Nations League. Christ. So yeah, so that's Serie A this season. Are we happy with Serie A this season? Summing up. Very. Yeah. 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 I think yeah, I think Serie A was good this season. It makes a change. It's one um, of the better seasons, actually. Oh yeah, like I couldn't believe on Sunday when Inter and Lazio were having their ding dong and people were watching Barcelona versus. What are you doing with your life? That's what I wanted to say to them. And there you have. I have, I have, and everybody heard me. Right, so there we go. That was a long one, people. Thank you for lasting with us for this long. Um, I'm going to do the spiel. Shop underneath in the link. Go to the shop because it's lovely and it helps us do more of this. And it means we can... Oh, sure. you, can, you can get a mug like this, with the, it's back to front but you get they get the idea Ooh. and then it's, this one's got kind of arrow on it lifting the world cup that was ah. when the world cup was interesting huh? that's when people used to like the world cup when it wasn't just a money grabbing <laughs> when, when it actually meant something as well that, that's, that's what this is the Cannavaro world cup up here brilliant Buy one of them. They're lovely. And they make everything taste better as well, which is surprising. You never would have thought. <laughs> I, I was just drinking some water and I was like, wow, this tastes like amazing water. I was like, yeah, there you go. It's because of the cup. So, yeah. But you, go, you can't just get cups. If you look at Connor Clancy, behind him, there's a clock. Um, you could get a clock similar to that, but it'll have Gabriel Batistuta or Javier Zanetti in it or Paolo Maldini in it or something like that. So, you can get one of them as well. Um so yeah there's lots of other stuff so go and click on the links social media and all that rubbish we'll have some transfer stuff obviously during the summer when things happen and milan get booted out of europe and all that good stuff so keep an eye on forzatimefootball.com uh, guys have you got anything left to say any last messages for the people uh as regular host i want to thank everyone who's been tuning in uh, it's been good to see a few of the usuals popping up in the comments tonight uh, Aaron Holland, Jack, Sam Fox, you guys know who you are. Uh, it really does help when you guys come on and keep the comments going. You help us get through every single week. And it's just nice to know there are people who are listening and watching. So thank you for everything, this guy, this year, chaps. I love you all. Oh, what about you, Paddy? Have you got anything to say to the people? We are the Go people, Atalanta, go. Oh, hashtag, <laughs> yes, Paddy, Atalanta, hashtag. Life. You forgot your hashtag, right? I did. There we go. Yeah. Hashtag Atalanta Life. That's us out, guys. We'll see you at some point during the season. There's some videos going up, so look out for them as well on the channel. So until then, ciao for now. Ciao. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 
When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.